Standard Version, Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not in earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When I was a kid, I used to love to go to visit my grandparents in Minneapolis. Their home was filled with certain smells and sounds and decorations that made it, I thought, one of the most wonderful places on earth. And one of the things that was unique about their home was that it had a den. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the den, it was a room that's usually adjacent to the living room, and uh, typically there's a TV in there, and that's a place where uh, you go to kind of get away from the main area of the house. And in my grandparents' den, they had this wood console TV, dark wood paneling around on the walls, a great big picture window that looked out over the backyard where you could see the squirrels playing in the huge maple tree. And also something that was located in there was my grandfather's throne. <laughs> in the corner uh, just across from the TV, uh, there was a giant lazy boy recliner. And when I was an adult, uh, I moved to Minneapolis and so I would stop by my grandparents quite often. It was usually the same routine over and over again. I would walk through the door that went into the kitchen and my grandmother would be in there and she was making something or cleaning or reading or something and I would uh, talk with her for a while and she would always say the same thing. Your grandpa's in the den watching golf. <laughs> and so I would make my way over to the den and there was a ritual that had to happen. I would walk up and I would shake my grandpa's hand as he leaned forward into, the, uh, into my hand there and he would say, uh, hello Scotty, and then he would uh, offer me a Hershey kiss from his candy bowl and then I would sit down and watch golf with him and then when the commercials came on he would mute it and then we would talk about life or whatever was going on uh, in the world. I miss those days near my grandpa's chair. In the text we're focusing on today we find another chair but it's not a brown corduroy recliner. It's the very throne of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3 tells us that after he, Jesus, had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And so Jesus went through this horrible death on the cross for our sins as we looked at on Good Friday. And then he was buried and then he was raised from the dead and taken up into heaven. What a celebration that must have been for God the Father when the Son returned to the throne room in heaven. From that moment on, Jesus has been at the Father's side, on his throne, waiting to go and get his people, you and I. And you might be wondering what this has to do with you or with Easter Sunday. Well, Ephesians 2.6 tells us that Christ was not the only one raised up into heaven on that glorious day thousands of years ago. Watch this. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. When you placed your trust in Christ, for those of you who have, the Lord raised you up from the dead spiritually. You used to be a dead person until you began to walk with Jesus. 
But another thing that this verse tells us happened is that we were seated with him in the heavenly realms. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Hey, Pastor Scott, I'm still sitting here in this pew. (laughs) I'm still walking around on the earth dealing with all the trials and the troubles of life. It sure doesn't feel like I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. And so what does it mean that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm? Well, when we look at the original meaning of this word translated seated, we see that it carries the meaning taking a seat in the company of someone. The best example I can think of for us today is the Senate in our U.S. government. Now, somebody that is elected to the Senate in November, they become a senator and they have now a seat in the Senate. Although they may not physically sit in that seat for another few months until January 3rd on their swearing in at noon. And so they are now seated among the company of the Senate, those 99 other senators there. And the swearing in is just a technicality for them. And so for those who place their trust in Christ and are now considered one of the elect, we may may not be physically sitting in the company of Jesus in the throne room, but we are counted among the redeemed. In this passage in Colossians, we see that there are four benefits listed because of this position. And my goal this morning in this message is to encourage you with these things, to get you excited about that possibility. And for those of you who are now saved for that reality. And so let's quickly go through these four reasons. They're right in your bulletin. You can follow along. First of all, in Christ's seat, you get to be near the Father. Verse 1 here states that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God as opposed to the left hand. And being at the right hand of a leader shows that you have been given authority, power, and equal honor. The right hand holds the sword, but it also is the hand that is used for blessing. Jesus is there set to carry out both vengeance upon the wicked but also blessing upon the righteous. Now you might be thinking at this point, well, it's okay for Jesus to be near the right hand of the Father. I mean, he's the Son of God. But I don't know if I want to get anywhere near that right hand. Makes me think of my mom when we were driving, we'd be goofing around. You'd want to sit as far back in the back of the car as possible especially if you wanted to goof around. You typically didn't want to goof around when you were in the passenger seat, right? Because that right hand could get a hold of you. (laughs) And so I'm wondering, is God going to get a hold of me and whack me upside the head when I'm seated right right there next to him because of all the mistakes that I've made? (laughs) And I think it can be hard for us as we think about God to think of him as a kind and loving father who wants us longs for us to sit next to him, to commune with him, to relate to him, to talk to talk to him there. And I think sometimes this is because of our own experiences, perhaps, with our earthly fathers. Maybe we didn't have that kind of relationship with those fathers, or they were distant, or they were mean or abusive. Also, we may get that idea from the Old Testament, 
There it seems like God is always thundering, wiping out people, bringing judgment and plagues upon people. Seems like he's generally grumpy all the time, right? But we must recognize that because we are in Christ, we only have good from the Father. Only benevolence from the Father. In fact, when he looks at you, because you are in Christ, you are covered with Christ, he sees Christ. He doesn't see Scott anymore standing there. I mean, he knows I'm there. But what he sees is the righteousness of Christ covering me. And we know how he feels about his son, don't we? Because he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so that's how you can be pleasing in God's sight. That's how he can say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome into the joy of the Lord. Because you are in Christ. And this is pretty exciting. Ruling and reigning with Jesus forever. Authority over all creation. The second benefit we see this morning in this passage is that in Christ's seat, temporal things seem unimportant. In this next section, it tells us not to set our mind on earthly things, but rather to set our mind on things that are above. And I was thinking about this, well, what does that mean, to set my mind on things above? At first, I thought it meant that we should not focus on things like clothing or houses or work and that kind of thing. But then I thought maybe, well, he's talking about sin issues. Don't think about sinful things like sexual stuff or drinking or smoking or gambling or whatever. But then I looked back at the context in chapter 2, and the entire last portion of that chapter talks about how ancient Christians wanted to still follow the religious laws in order to be seen as righteous before the Lord. And many of the leaders at that time were judging others as unworthy because they didn't do X, Y, Z. They didn't follow the religious ceremonies like I do, right? And so, being seated with Christ in the heavenly realms and thinking about heavenly things must mean that you're focused on the true way to get to heaven, the things that we're celebrating here today. And it's not by keeping a big long list of everything that I need to do and not do today that I win favor with God. It's focusing on Jesus and the sacrifice that he's already made for me when he went to the cross. What a relief that my salvation is not dependent on how well I keep the rules because in that case, I would be disqualified a thousand times over. This is such a practical thing for us. It help us, helps us not to sink into depression. It helps us to balance life because sometimes when we're doing well, we think, oh, God must like me better today because I really did good. And then on the days when we don't, when we fail, we sink into depression and think, well, God must not like me today, right? The third thing we see here is that in Christ's seat, you are protected in Romans 8.38, Paul, the apostle, is dramatically convinced of something. He says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Notice the qualifier there, in Christ Jesus. Nothing can get to you when you're in Christ Jesus. Nothing can pry you from the loving arms of the Father. And in the words of Mr. T, I pity the fool who tries to get close to the throne of God. But the protection that we see receive when we're raised up goes beyond the things in this previous verse. Because there is another great danger. In fact, it's the greatest danger in all of creation. It's the judgment and wrath of God poured out upon the earth because of sin. That's why we need Christ. That's why we need him to cover us. When he's your king and master, he shields you from the punishment that's coming upon the wicked. And I'm talking about hell here, of course. A place of eternal separation and punishment. Which, by the way, was not designed for humans. It was originally designed as a place for the devil and his angels to go and be thrown into at the end of the age. But do you know what happens? We follow whoever we follow. If you're following God, you're going to go along with God forever into eternity. If you're following the devil today, you're going to follow him right to the very end, into the place of destruction. Jesus talked about this with his disciples all the time. At the final judgment, as we stand before the throne of Jesus, we see exactly what will take place in Matthew 25, 31 through 34. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Isn't it interesting here that the sheep go to the right, right? Remember, that's the side where Jesus is seated. They come to Jesus on that right side to be blessed by him, to receive the blessing of God. And that's such a great benefit. And finally, we see that in Christ's seat, your life is hidden. The last benefit we see here in this passage refers to the source of life. Dating back from the 5th century BC, there have been stories of people searching for the fountain of youth, a mythical spring that supposedly would restore an old person back to the way they were in their prime. And the ultimate benefit of discovering this kind of fountain would be prolonged life. And throughout history, people have been trying to cheat death for thousands and thousands of years. And we've achieved that to a degree medically, <laughs> prolonged life. I mean, the life expectancy today is more than it was, say, 100 years ago. But even with all the modern wonders of medicine, and the quest for eternal youth, the oldest verified person in history, I'm not talking about ancient history, but in verified modern history, is a woman named Jean Calment of France. She died in 1997 at the age of 122 years and 164 days. But you know, the last probably 30 years of her life, she's probably like, when am I going to die? You know, I looked at a picture of her this morning, and I was like, she looked miserable. 
her eyes were failing. She just was kind of sitting there with, she's holding her 121st birthday cake, you know, and she doesn't look super excited about it. Let's just say that. Okay. Do you know the reason that the quest has failed is because people are looking in the wrong place. The fountain of life itself flows from the throne of God. We see this specifically in Hebrews 1.3, that Jesus is sustaining all things by his powerful word. If Jesus withdrew his word right now, we would all be obliterated. We see in Revelation 22, verse 1, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb. And so somehow, either under or through or whatever it is, there's this river flowing. And next to that river is the tree of life. And we go there and there's sustainment, sustainment for us there in that water and in that fruit. And death has no place at all there because Jesus rose from the dead and he defeated death. As it states in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, death has been swallowed up in victory. In conclusion this morning, my grandpa had started having lung problems when he was about 85 years old, probably from the cigarettes he smoked most of his life. <laughs> and eventually he and my grandma decided that they were going to move into an assisted living situation. And they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with the house once they moved over there. Well, it just so happened that my family and I were getting ready to go to seminary. I was going to be in seminary, and so we were trying to find out what we were going to do with housing and such. And so they asked us, would you like to come and live at our house and remodel it and work on it and keep it up, and then we'll sell it once you guys get done with seminary. And so we said yes, and they moved into a little two-bedroom situation from their bigger house, and so some of the things made it over and some didn't. And when we moved in that first day, I walked into the den. And one thing that didn't make it into their apartment was my grandfather's recliner. Too big and overstuffed. And there it was sitting in the corner. I sat down in it and I was like, ha, king of the house, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so amazing, sitting in that chair. And I think about in heaven, being seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. All around the throne, there are other thrones. And we get to rule and reign with Christ. Now don't worry, you're not going to have to sit down for eternity. But you have a seat there. You are in the company of the redeemed. And so, the point is that we have a great, loving, awesome Father who highly anticipates us being with him forever in heaven. And this is what makes Easter so significant to me. And I hope to you as well this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your promises and that you have saved us a seat, the best seat in the house, right next to the throne with you. And Lord, we are excited to see you face to face someday. And not these just things in some kind of analogy, but reality. And so Lord, we lift up your name today and give you the glory in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington 98258. 
or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you, and may God bless you the rest of your day.